I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. So welcome back to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. I'm your host, Dan. And today's episode, this episode you're listening to, started with a thought that I personally had or I found somewhere online and I thought, here's a question that might get answered or that might get asked often. And the question is, uh, isn't most violence against women committed by strangers? Now, violence can mean many things. It could mean domestic violence. It could mean uh, sexual assault. It could mean uh, stranger violence. It could mean all these things. And so that question I wanted to ask someone and within the DASIS podcast uh, committee conglomerate brain trust. This this person's name came up, and she is a a, a nurse, a sane nurse, sexual assault uh, nurse, and is with the organization, uh, the Branch County Sexual Assault Services, located at the Prometica Coldwater Regional Hospital. And so, our guest today, Laura Copaz, is someone I would consider an expert in in this field. In the, with this question. Um, and so I am honored and privileged to welcome Laura to the show. Laura, hello. Hello. Uh, thank you for joining us. And my first question uh, to set this up for listeners, when I said sane nurse, um, first of all, there's a humorous part of me that says, uh, are, are any of you sane with what you see? Because uh, it has to drive you insane. But that aside, uh, SANE, S-A-N-E, what does that stand for and what does that mean for your work? Um, that stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner, and we are all registered nurses, but we have a very specialized training in um, the treatment and care of sexual assault patients that come in to see us. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if a victim is assaulted... Do I hear you say then that you are the, the person who would, a sane nurse would be the person who would hopefully in, intake them to, to check them out, make sure they're okay. And then to, like, we hear the term rape kit used. Is, is that part of what you do? That is. Um, people come to see us through the emergency department at ProMedica. Um, they would come in and they get registered to triage like any other patient. And then one of us, there's four of us in this program, one of us would be called in to see that patient. And we would take them through the whole process. They do not have to see the ER physician. They only see us, which makes it very nice a lot of times for victims. I can only imagine what it's like 
I mean, I don't know if I even can imagine the, the trauma that they face, the everything to, that goes with it. And then to have someone there ask you all these questions, can you shed a little bit of light for listeners? Um, what is it like on, on your end? What do you try to do to, to help make them feel welcome and heard and taken care of? Well, I think our goal is to have, when they leave our department, they leave us to go home, that they're in a much better place than when they came in. Um, a lot of people and victims too get the idea from what they see on TV, uh, that these are horrible exams, it's gonna be a terrible thing and we do all kinds of terrible things. And that really is not the way it is, especially from those of us who are trained to do this. Um, we make them very comfortable. Uh, we have a nice private room that we see them in. It's quiet, it's safe. And we get them through it very easily. We're very kind, professional, and uh, we get them through it very well. And many times when they leave, they say, gee, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, which, which is what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So for those who this happens to, I want to reiterate what you just said, Laura. It, when those survivors walk out, it's not as bad as what I thought it was. This is not what we see on TV. This is not Law and Order SVU. This is not a movie. This is a this is a human being behind this behind the scenes who wants to help you work through the initial trauma of this. Is that what I hear you say? Yes. And we, I think we do a very good job of that in our program. Well, you know, on behalf of the community and listeners, thank you for for what you do in your department does and, and what Prometica Coldwater Regional Hospital does. Um, so I'd like to ask them this this big big question that I had, the the FAQ. Um, is most violence against women committed by strangers or by someone they know? Well, in about eighty to eighty-five percent of the time, it's going to be Uh, offenses are committed by someone that they know. Um, Certainly they are committed by strangers, but that's a very small portion of this. Um, It can be a friend, a good friend, a family member, uh, someone they work with, someone they just met, and most recently it's someone they met online, Mm -hmm. which we see a lot of too, but um, most of the time it's someone that they know in, in some way. You know, the, the big question is how, how do we stop this, right? And, you know, I've read in, in recent years as I've gotten into this work myself, the, the big answer is that we need to stop those who assault. But what can we do as humans just to keep ourselves safe, whether this is violence against women or anyone who could potentially be a victim? If it's somebody that I know, should I be looking at everybody I know as a danger how do I protect myself? Right. Well, we hope that we don't have to live that way. Uh, but I think you have to be cautious, especially, and, and I mean males and females too, and it certainly happens to males. Um, you just have to be cautious, especially meeting people online or um, one of the big problems that we see is with alcohol that makes you very vulnerable. And, you know, it may have been a great situation to start out with, but you know, put a little alcohol in, in the mix 
and that causes problems and people do things that they might not ordinarily do if they were sober. So that, that's mm. a huge problem there. And it dulls our senses and everything else. And, and right. while alcohol is, you know, it's, it's never the victim's fault, Correct. you know, and that question of, well, was she drinking is never okay to ask. Um, it's, it's the, it's the assailant is the one at fault. Um, but yeah, protecting ourselves is what's important. And so, you know, watch, uh, is it a matter of like watching how much we drink around people that we don't necessarily know that well, or is it just, I mean, we just, we, we just shouldn't get that drunk anyway. <laughs> I mean that, you know, but you know, yeah. I mean, what, what should we, let's say for instance, I have, I have, I have daughters, teenagers, and they'll be going to college soon. What should I tell them as they go off to college and they're beginning to party and do, do what teenagers tend to seem to do, what advice should I give them to protect themselves? Well, again, I think they have to be very cautious. They have to be smart about where they're going, who they're going with, um, go with a group. Um, that's one of the best things and make sure that somebody is, you know, watching, that you watch each other and care about each other, what's going on. You know, if you see someone that's, trying to get you outside or somewhere, um, let somebody step up and speak up. So Laura, let's say, let's say that the worst case scenario happens, um, I, I'm assaulted and I, and I, again, I can't even imagine all of the things that go on in that trauma in that moment. If I can get my wits about me, what is the first thing that I should do if I've been assaulted? Well, what we recommend, of course, obviously is to get out of the situation um, call someone, let somebody know that this has happened to you um, so that you have someone to support you or be with you, um, to talk to you. Um, certainly calling 911 is, should be in that list of things to do to let the police know, start an investigation, if that's the route that you wanna go. Um, and then come to the ER as soon as you can to be seen by us. Um, and what is- I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay, go ahead. Uh, many times that's not, that's the ideal scenario. Many times that doesn't happen just because they're afraid. They don't know what to do. They want to think about this. And that's okay too. If they need a couple of days to think about it, uh, we'll see them up to five days after an assault. We could still collect evidence and things. So. Mm, that's good to know. What should I not do if I'm, if I'm, if I'm able and emotionally able to, to go and, and talk to someone like you, Laura, go to the hospital. What should I not do in that moment? Anything? Um, well, we, of course, would prefer that they don't shower and change their clothes. But again, that's not ideal. They, that, that's not what usually happens. And that's okay, okay too. Um, you know, we'll do with what we have. And we just want you to come in and be seen and taken care of. Hmm. Um, and then if you could walk me through a little bit then if, and again, for anybody listening, if you've been through this, please understand this is not meant to trigger any kind of trauma response or anything else. But for those who are preparing and who are protecting and who are wanting to be prepared, what can I expect when I, when I go to an ER, what should I expect to do and then have happen? What's kind of the best case scenario of that? Um, if you go to an ER that has a SANE program, which is the best place to go, 
Uh, we will um, come in right away to see you. We will take that victim to our room, which is not in the ER. It's kind of tucked in a little back hallway. It's very quiet. It's very safe. Uh, we have a nice little table and chairs. We can sit down and, and just talk initially, have a conversation about you know, what brings them in, what happened, um, get a history of the things that happened to them. Uh, are there any injuries? And we give them their legal options. They have uh, several different options that they can, they can do um, as far as reporting or not. And then from that, we can go into the exam process. And on top of all of the, the trauma and the, all of these things going on, um, financial is, is a question probably. If, if, I'm, if I'm a victim and I come in, do I need my insurance card? Do I need to pay for this? What does that usually look like? No, um, by law, we can't charge victims. Um, that's through Violence Against Women Act, which was a great thing. Um, and we get reimbursed through, it's called the Safe Response Program. It's the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. So we get reimbursed for that. So there is no charge for the victim. Uh, they don't, do not get sent a bill or anything. We take care of all of that. And that includes uh, medications or uh, the exam, the kit, everything. That's good to know. Again, informationally, it's good to know. A lot of victims don't come in. They say, oh, I don't have insurance. I can't pay. Well, they don't have to pay. It's uh, There's no charge. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, it, if that hospital has a SANE program, um, is that something that I can look up ahead of time? Uh, obviously not. Probably I wouldn't look it up in the middle of what's, what I'm going through. But as, as listeners are here, can we look at our local hospitals generally and see if they have a same program? You should be able to go on your hospital website. Um, and unfortunately, there aren't a lot of programs in Michigan. Um, we have about 150 hospitals, I believe. And there's probably about 40 or 50 same programs. So there are many areas that don't have one. Mm. In fact, we are the only one in our area um, that people come to. How do, how do we fix that? <laughs> how, how can we get hospitals to have this? Well, that's a good question. I think a lot of times it comes down to funding. How are you going to fund this program? Um, you know, funds are tight nowadays. If you can get uh, funding through a community organization is great. And it's, it's hard to get nurses that really want to do this. It's a difficult thing to do. There's a lot of burnout with nurses after a while. And um, it's just a difficult program sometimes to deal with all of the time. Mm. I don't even know if this is necessarily that our most sane nurses women like if a, if a woman is a victim does she have to worry about i'm gonna have to now see a man there are there are a few um male sane nurses um certainly not as many as females so i think more than likely they would get a female but there are in the bigger hospitals i believe and they do a great job and they are very uh were very welcomed in the programs um so let's go back to this idea that you know, 80, 80% or so of um, sexual assault victims know their offender. Um, and 
I know there's a stat there too of 90% of pediatric survivors know the offender, which is just horrendous. I mean, any of it, any, in any case, if it's someone I know, I'm, I'm probably scared that they're going to get in trouble because if it's someone that I know, it's probably someone in my family, someone close to my family, we have a good relationship before this happened. Now I'm scared that, you know, they're going to be in trouble and I'm going to be seen as maybe a pariah or something. All those emotions must be part of that. I would imagine what comfort can you give to those thinking about that? Well, I think they have to know that, um, you know, certainly it was not their fault and they did not commit a crime. The other person committed a crime and I think you need to, they need to look at it that way Mm -hmm. and that. Most of the time, if they have done it to you or to someone else, they're going to continue to do it unless they get some kind of help or um, are, are ca- called accountable for it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't stop with uh, one time normally. Yeah. Um, gosh, it can be such a heavy subject, I would imagine. When you talked earlier about the, the burnout that nurses experience in this, what do you do or do you see others do to help your mental health and well-being and strength? Well, there are four of us in this program and we've uh, gotten to be very good friends and we work well together as a team and uh, we, we kind of fall, um, fall on each other when we need to talk about a case or something that's we've seen or someone has talked about that's really disturbing. We really depend on each other um, to get through that has to be a team team effort mm-hmm. yeah i can only and i can only imagine um laura is there anything that i didn't ask that you want to make sure listeners hear uh, when it comes to violence against women um i think just to know that the, you know this program that we have in branch county is a it's a wonderful program we have um a great discharge information that we give to victims about uh, counseling they can get or where they can go for information. Um, we provide them with a, um, a new outfit, you know, because because we keep some of their clothing as evidence. We provide them with something brand new to wear home, which always, you know, everybody likes a new outfit. So kind of makes you feel a little bit better. Um, sure. but, but we, I, I would never hesitate to, to come in if I was a victim. Um, we just have a nice program. We tweak treat people very well and um, it makes it for a a decent experience out of something that was not in the beginning yeah well again laura copaz with the branch county sexual assault services um, the emergency emergency department at prometica Coldwater regional hospital uh, the sane program where violence happens, how we can protect ourselves. Laura, thank you uh, so much for being a part of our show and for the, for the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. 
We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.